Welcome back to the Continuous Coach Podcast. My name is Mark Lange, and along with me on this journey is my co-host, Darcy Bellier. Sadly, our university season in Kufla is now over. However, we are super excited to begin to bring you season number two of our podcast. You can support us by following us on your preferred podcast platform and then sharing our conversations via social media by tagging us at The Cod Coach on both Instagram and Twitter. Or you can send us an email at thecontinuouscoach at gmail.com. Today, we have a great guest to kick off season number two. Alex Matheson is an up-and-coming hockey coach and front office personnel in the Ottawa region. In 2019, he joined Brent Sullivan of the University of Ottawa GG's hockey program as their video coach. This past summer, when Brent took over the Carleton Place Canadians, he brought Alex on with him as the assistant general manager there. He also has spent four years working with the Depean Raiders in the CCHL and two summers working as the video coach for Hockey Eastern Ontario's OHL Gold Cup team. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as Darcy and I did. Without further ado, here is the episode. How have you been doing during this kind of weird time in the last while? Uh, man, I don't know. <laughs> good, good and bad, I guess. Um, I've been getting by. It's definitely not used to not being around the rink. That was a huge, huge adjustment. Um, but I, I think right as kind of the world shut down last spring is when I started with Hockey Canada full time. So my first day was uh first day pretty much everybody was working from home and um so it was kind of worked out in a way that i was starting the job i was working at a gym before and obviously that's been open and closed so it kind of works out i was still able to work full time and and with hockey canada especially and um just kind of kept as busy as i could helped out with kind of player highlights and um working with some of the gg's players and spending time with my fiance and Made it made a huge difference not being in the rink. She actually got to see me on weekends and yeah, maybe not the best at times, but uh, I'm sure she wanted me to get back into hockey. So no, it's it's been pretty good actually. I know, like for myself, um, I had a baby six months ago, so we've actually enjoyed kind of being stuck a little bit, you know, and, yeah. and just being able to focus on us and. Um, now obviously things are opening up. It's a little different, but I want to ask about the IT um, IT coordinator. Like, what does an IT coordinator for Hockey Canada do? Um, so my main focus is our. It's called the Hockey Canada Registry. So it's our basically our database for that's used across the country for registration, uh, clinics, hosting, everything like that. Transfers between branches and provinces. Um, all the rostering is done there. So any kind of official Hockey Canada roster you're on is is all put into the, to the system and tracked for insurance and history and all that kind of stuff. So main focus is working on that and helping out registrars across the country and then helping with kind of internal stuff as well. We have probably about uh, 80, 90 employees that work for Hockey Canada. So um, especially working from home the last year or so, that's a you know, big emphasis on IT and being able to support everybody. So um, those are kind of main focuses right now. And then every just odd jobs here and there with uh, wherever they kind of need me. 
So where do the uh, what what came first, the chicken or the egg? What came first, the love for the IT and the video coordination, or the love for hockey, or was it just kind of a good marriage right from the beginning? Definitely the love for hockey. Um, if you met me even in Rec and Leisure, like I did not know technology at all. Like I had a bad laptop and I kind of got by with that and went, couldn't tell the difference between something good. And uh, I started video coaching probably a couple years after that. And uh, and I guess that was kind of my intro to the IT side of things. And it uh, just got more and more interested in it. And as a video coach, like you're already tapped as the IT guy for your team. So you get coaches asking you how to, you know, charge their phones and check their emails and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you just kind of fi- fall into that IT role, but uh, something I've ended up really liking and kind of going with. So it, uh, it kind of just all fell into place. And with the GGs, what, what are you guys using for video tools? Are you guys using GameStrat? Are you using Huddle? Are you using something else? So we use a mix of GameStrat and uh, Sports Code. So I'm clipping Sports Code uh, for kind of more my stuff after the games, um, player highlights, any review, anything like that. Uh, and then GameStrat is a big kind of help for us in game on the bench. There's the iPad going from my clips up top to uh, to the bench. So it really helps us in between shifts, uh, looking at goals right away, all that kind of stuff. So that's more of the in-game focus and then sports code um, using a bit in-game, but then after game as well. And so I, I'm familiar with GameShot. I've used it before, but uh, um, not, not for a full season, just kind of on a trial basis. Um, but it's a great tool, right? It gives you that, that in in-game feel that you know almost like you're at a, a in an NHL game you show right up the video how do your players respond to that are they seeing it as a valuable tool or are they seeing it more as a a nuisance when they're on the bench trying to use it while they're waiting for the next shift I, I think it was a big adjustment because they didn't have it the year before and um, some of the guys came from major junior where they do do have an ipad on the bench but um, you know I think the more they got to use it the more more they did like it um, guys would come off the bench actually asking to, you know, look at the last zone entry or look at the last goal against that kind of stuff. Um, and, it, and it's just a huge tool that if you have it, you got to use it and um, just helps you really, you know, when you're on the ice, you see things a lot differently than you do in video. So getting off that bet, getting off the ice and getting that immediate feedback, I think makes, makes a huge difference that the play is still fresh in their mind. So, um, they're able to see kind of a different angle of it and can adjust and be ready to go for their next shift. Yeah, it's funny. Like you watch like the uh, the NFL guys and they're always looking up at the uh, at the at the at the jumbotron, right? They're trying yeah. to look and and it's just a great uh, in-game feedback. I saw the same thing with my players. We were doing it with high school players, but you know the first quarter, the first game was uh, like get that away from you, whatever. But by the time we got to the third, fourth game of the tournament, I was like, hey, can I see that last play? Can you run that back? Can you run that man down back for me? Whatever it was, it was such such a useful tool. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm a lot like you. I have uh, many different uh, roles and, and programs that I work with, whether it's field across or box across or or other things. But their seasons don't overlap. But here you are working for Hockey Canada, video coordinator, and now the assistant AGM at uh, with the Carlton Place Canadians. 
how are you balancing all those things, especially since the seasons are all overlap and are at the same time? Um, it's uh, so far it hasn't been too bad. Um, working from home and um, working for Hockey Canada, already being on the computer kind of helps out a lot. That if I have to check something for Carlton Place, I can do that pretty quick. And um, there's flexibility. I'm not driving around to the rinks or or anything like that. So huge kind of time saver right there. But um, I honestly can't even remember the last time I wasn't involved with at least two teams um, during a hockey season. So it's something I'm I'm pretty used to at this point. And uh, it does take a lot. I don't, uh, you know, the teams I've been with, I've tried to, you ought to, we were playing on the weekends. So if I can find something Monday to Friday, it it's a bit more, a bit easier to balance. So um, kind of trying to find offsetting schedules, even though they're in the same season, it definitely makes a difference. But uh, it's just prioritizing your time, um, taking a look at your schedule. Uh, we just got our CCHL schedule, so planning that out and planning when I'm away with with the GGs, and um, you know, it's, it's something I love doing. So I love being busy and really love getting into the the thick of things. And come March and April, I'm pretty much hibernate for a month and then kind of get back going at it. Um, I'm, I'm reading a book recently, actually an audio book, uh, Tom Coughlin's Earn Right to Win. And he talked a lot about uh, the schedule he has, you know, like things are scheduled out two or three years in advance, um, you know, because of how busy he is. And imagine for you during the course of a hockey season, um, you probably schedule everything down from, 30 minutes, 10 minutes <laughs> in order to be successful. Uh, so with that in mind, um, the training camp is coming up soon for your call to place Canadians. How is that looking? Uh, it's looking pretty good. Um, it's definitely going into our first season with uh, Brent Sullivan. Like I call him Sully. So um, going into the first season with Sully, it's going to be uh, a good opportunity for us to finally see guys in person um, on the ice and, and just kind of one-on-one getting to talk to them. We've had Zoom calls and phone calls and everything like that, text messages, but it's obviously a lot different uh, being in person, being at the rink and and uh, finally getting to meet everybody, introduce ourselves and um, looking pretty good right now. A lot of our junior B guys and our, our U18 players will be there. Um, so in Carleton Place, we have three, we're lucky to have three teams uh, at different levels so we can really use a, a development model there. Um, so it'll be a lot of our younger guys or prospects um, and then free agents as well that are looking to try and make the jump to junior A. Um, so it'll be a good opportunity to just see where guys are at um, physically. Obviously, like you guys said, it's been a weird year and they've been on the ice. They've been off the ice and back playing, not playing. So it'll be a good good way just to get back into things and um, get around the guys and build some chemistry and and a good opportunity for us to evaluate where guys are, whether we think they're ready for junior A and and even where they are physically. Like if you know, we still have about two months before the season. Um, so we it's an either an opportunity saying, hey, you're you're pretty close to being in kind of game shape or or you need to hit the gym kind of thing. So it's right. uh, it'll be a good weekend. Really looking forward to it. Um, you know, most coaches take over a program and typically get to rebuild the program. Um, for you and Brett, uh, you're taking over a very successful program with lots of, you know, respected uh, coaches and, and players who've come out of there. So 
Uh, what are the first things you did when you stepped into the role, um, either yourself or, or in, in working with Brent or Brett, sorry? Um, really, the, I think kind of the main thing was just player evaluation. Um, seeing the players we had in the system, all three teams, trying to watch as much video as we could, understand who's coming back, who we really like, who fits kind of Brent's coaching style. Um, you know, that was the main thing, understanding the guys that were around us. Um, so I was watching a ton of video. Obviously, we couldn't watch them in person, but um, building out depth charts. Uh, we would talk, Sully and I talk every day about, you know, what do you think of this guy? What do you think of this one? Look for players around the league for potentially trading for. Um, that was a huge, huge thing, just understanding who we had and what we had in place, because that really determines, you know, do we have enough for, uh, you know, a championship run this season? Or, hey, where are we weak? Are we weak on defense? Or we, do we need an extra forward? Uh, you know, how does it look two years from now? Because junior hockey, you only have about four years and, and your 21-year-olds are gone. So you do have to think kind of one, two years down the road as well. So player evaluation was the biggest at the start. And and then just on trying to develop our philosophy and how we wanted to see the team playing on the ice, how we wanted to see them working off the ice, but then how we wanted to, you know, be involved with the community as well. Carleton Place is a small town, so um, the Canadians are, are a huge part of that community, and we want to keep that going. And, and Sully's done a really good job reaching out to, to local businesses and, and getting involved that way. So um, I know that was a big thing on on his plate to really get his name out, meet people, build connections, um, and hope we can just be a part of the community. So those were kind of the two biggest things we, we focused on. Are there any specific, um, you know, uh, activities or, or days or programs you want to set up with your players interacting in the community and, and things they might you might want to have them doing? Um, honestly, it's a, I think kind of helping out businesses whenever we could, whether it's, you know, having some of the players be waiters at a local restaurant and and just being there one night and, and selling tickets or helping out their staff as well. But, you know, going to car dealerships and promoting our team and promoting promoting the dealership, that kind of stuff. There's, I don't think there's any, you know, specific things we want. We just want them to be involved. It's, um, you know, the town of Carleton Place commits a lot to us um, in terms of fans coming out they're one of the highest um, kind of attended teams in the league so they invest a lot into us and and we have to invest that back in the community because we owe it if if they're not coming out then we're not playing so uh, we just want to get out there and and be a part of the community and help them out So, and, and I'm, I'm familiar with that. I have a, a buddy of mine who uh, is from Carleton Place. His kid's a hockey football player there in high school. And, and he would talk, when I first moved here, he would talk about the, the CP Canadians all the time, right? And he would talk about how how good of a job Jason did, how important it was to the community, how much it, uh, you know, the, the kids that are playing there look up to him and go to the games. And, and it, it must just be a, a great feeling to be part of that. Um, now, that being said, um, you know, it also comes with a lot of expectations. 
and and kind of how are you looking at that is it is it about the process and not the results for you um like what are you guys doing to manage those expectations and to make sure that you um you're setting them high enough and realistic enough um but battling that kind of pressure maybe from the community yeah i think we understood it uh it definitely when sully told me he bought the team it was not the team i was kind of expecting and and it's huge shoes to to fill there um, with the success they've had at uh, even Junior B. They they've been in the finals and um, been league champions and stuff like that. So there are huge huge shoes to fill. And um, you know, Sully and I are competitive guys. We he wouldn't have bought the team if he didn't think he could could continue that. Um, and and we think that too. We can uh, you know we want to win and keep that process going. And but again, it is about the process of development and using our U18 and our junior B and and getting them used to playing a certain way and and developing getting better and keeping those local guys around and and then eventually playing at junior B at junior A where where it is about results at the end of the day it's about winning and it is about getting these guys off to D1 or D3 schools or U sports OHL wherever they want to go it's uh, we got to keep that going um, you know Jason set the bar pretty high and he, he put us in a pretty good spot but um Sully was able to keep around a lot of guys that you know I think some guys in the league thought would leave so um you know we're looking looking really good and and we were winning at U Ottawa and we want to keep that going at Carlton place so yeah and I, I want to take uh go back to the U Ottawa you had said in the in the in the pre-pod form that we had to fill out that you know your most memorable uh, experience was the playoff run uh, in 2020 with you ottawa um so tell us a little bit about that what made that so memorable to you i think it was just everything that was kind of happening at the time it was um i was actually in the process of applying for my job at hockey canada so um we hit the playoffs i got my first interview with with hockey canada so that was exciting and um, we won in the first round. Um, it went to, all the games are best of three and um, went the full three games. So exciting games there. It's pretty quick that you're you're playing one night, you're playing the next night, and um, had the stuff with Hockey Canada going on. You know, I think we just everything just felt like it was falling into place for you, Otto. We we hit a pretty big rough patch in January and. And it really looked, our goal at the start of the season was a national championship. And uh, our run in January, we we just did not look like a national contender at all. And and even making the first round of the playoffs. So, um, you know, everything just seemed to fall into place. And, and then we, second round, we played uh, UQTR, who is a very, very good team. And um, we lost the first game at their place. And uh, so we were down one nothing, looking at elimination, and um, we went back home. It was a Friday night. I remember I just set up my camera equipment and getting ready for the game. Everybody was hyped up, ready to go, and um, I walk out of the room, and all of a sudden I got a phone call from Calgary, and and it was Hockey Canada, and I got offered the Hockey Canada job right before the game. So um, a whole lot of emotions already going into the game, just kind of spiked spiked that and my parents came to the game and I got to tell them I got the Hockey Canada job then and I uh, got to talk to the tell the coaches I got the job as well so got to kind of celebrate with them before the game so you know it was just 
we ended up winning 3-2 and like it was just again everything fell into place and just a almost magical run and then uh played UQ or played Concordia in the finals and and won at Concordia uh to qualify for nationals and uh qualify for the OUA finals so um that was one of the most memorable bus rides home from from Montreal I can ever kind of think of and I don't think guys stopped singing and dancing the whole whole ride home and the pizza was flying around and everybody just had smiles on their face knowing we were going to Halifax for the national championship and um, you know that was my first year with U Ottawa but all those guys had been there kind of since day one since the program got rebuilt so it was just a culmination for those guys especially that this is what they worked for for four years and it's the goal they set out year one and they're accomplishing it so you know, we were all just on on huge highs, and then played Guelph in the finals, and we lost lost in triple overtime, which was very tough. It was a two one game, and um, you know we did that. That was on a Saturday night. We left Guelph at I think one o'clock, two in the morning. Got back into Ottawa at probably about six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning on a Sunday and then we were flying out Monday morning to Halifax for the national championship. So, and then obviously that was literally the week NHL shut down and NBA shut down and, and we were pretty much in a bubble seeing that all happen. So it was, uh, you know, we went on such a high and then literally seeing everything in the world kind of shut down was just such a almost surreal experience and, uh, you know, topping it off with, starting with Hockey Canada as soon as I got back. It was just something I'll definitely never forget. That's awesome. And so your role as a, as a video coach, especially during this time when it's game after game after game after game, what does that look like in-game? Are you on the bench? Are you up top doing the video? And then what does it look like after the game? What's your process? Can you walk us through that? Yeah, so, so in-game, I'm up top wherever I can, um, clipping the game live. And then I'll go down. Obviously, we have the the iPad going to the bench, so there's a live feed there. But then I'll go down uh, in between periods with my computer and uh, show any clips or power play, anything like that, to the coaches that they want to see. Do that in game to clip the rest of the periods after the game, depending on where we are. There's um, for home team, there's some rules we have to follow and get stuff up uploaded and verify goals and assists and points, all that kind of stuff. We have to verify through video and uh, get the game footage uploaded so the rest of the league can see it. Um, and then, you know, my main focus was creating highlight videos. We had 18 graduating guys uh, in that year. So that was about 18 videos I wanted to put together to send out to pro teams. So it was gathering highlights and and good clips and then putting those all together and making them look nice and and that sort of thing. And then just any kind of ad hoc projects any of the coaches wanted, whether it was, you know, looking at analytics or stats or or going through some videos and pulling player shifts, anything like that. How does um, video support individual player development over the course of a season? I, I think it's huge. Um, you know, I think... You know, it's not just a coach yelling at you, hey, you're doing this wrong over and over again. Now you can actually go to the player and say, like I said earlier, 
um, you know, when you're on the ice, you can, or whatever sport you're playing, you can get so focused in the moment and, and almost have tunnel vision. Um, so you're not seeing what's around you. You're not seeing it from a higher up view. Um, so bringing in that video just gives them a different angle to look at. Um, and, and in some cases, it's, it's reality hitting these guys that, you know, hey, you think you didn't have that pass, but this lane was wide open. Or if you think, you know, they always have a shot or they think they always have a chance to score and you're saying, hey, you keep shooting it into the guy's shins over and over again. You have that video to back it up. So it's, um, you know, it's you got to use it effectively. You can't just go to a kid and say, look, you keep turning it over and just show him clips of him turning it over because you'll ruin a kid's confidence really quick. But if you use it in an effective way of, hey, you're turning it over in this situation, well, this is why, and help him work on that. And then maybe you turn it into certain drills that you do in practice. So you can improve on that. So next time he goes around, you end up showing a positive clip. Hey, look, three games ago, you turned it over at the blue line because you did this. Well, look at this clip from this game. You did it differently. And you got by, you got into the zone, you gained possession, anything like that. So it can work really well, but but you can also just kill a kid's confidence. Yeah, hey, you got to be careful what you use, right? Just anything else in coaching. Um, so we haven't had as much, you know, gameplay as we all would like lately. <laughs> so with the extra time, um, have you been creating a video library of any sort? Or are you establishing how you want to collect data uh, via video for a long term in your new role with the CP Canadians? Yeah, it's, um, I think I definitely took this year to more learn, um, learn about different video platforms, analytic platforms, uh, stuff like that. Um, learning more about analytics and how to actually use them effectively in your season and not just saying, hey, look at, you know, he's got bad numbers here, you know, backing it up and why, and and maybe then associating those those stats with video. Um, so it was a lot of that and just thinking of new ideas that you can you can bring to a new season. We had so much time that um, my mind at least was, was just racing of thinking of new ideas and, you know, ways we could improve on something we did. So, um, you know, I think that was kind of my main focus is, coming up with new ideas, um, just trying out all sorts of stuff, doing side projects on my own. I During the World Juniors, when that happened, I decided to clip all the Team Canada's games and and track where their shots were, shot location, type, that sort of thing. And, and I did that using sports code and then worked on creating visualizations with that and creating a heat map and, and posting that up online. So... Um, just doing different kind of small projects like that, I think was more beneficial to me and going into a season, I'm, I'm a better video coach for it or I'm a better AGM for it. So just took advantage of it that way to just improve myself. Yeah. I, um, I quoted uh, one of your favorite athletes or your favorite athlete actually in one of our meetings with our, our, our team with the Carlton Ravens. I said, you know, Daniel Alfredson spoke about, January to February is kind of the time to grind out the regular season to get lots of points in the standings. And, you know, you do a lot of hard work when no one's really watching. And this time was, you know, similar to that. Um, 
And uh, so with, with that being said, you know, Dan Alfredson is your favorite athlete. Um, you know, can you tell us a little bit why that is the case? Yeah. Well, I'll just touch on something you said there, if you don't mind. It's, um, you know, I think the biggest thing that anybody could have taken away from this last year was self-development. You know, it was such a time that we're at home. We we can't go out. We can't go do stuff that, um, you know, I talked to a lot of people around that knew I was in hockey and, you know, UOTA was still able to do some on ice small area games. And um, a lot of even minor hockey teams were just doing practices and not playing games. And, you know, a lot of parents, I think, kind of thought it's going to be one of the worst years for their development because they're not playing a game. But what I would say is if you have a really good coach, like this is going to be the best year of your development of your career because you're on the ice, you're focusing on game-specific stuff. You know, when you look at NHL stats of how long the stick or the pucks on somebody's stick during a game, you know, the best guys, they have it for 11 seconds and they're out there for 20 minutes a game. So you're not improving. You are improving during a game, but you're not improving as much as you would be when you're on a practice ice, when you're doing a small area game where you're touching that puck over and over and over again. That's when you're really improving. And I think that's really what, you know, what could have come from from this past season is one of the best development years of your life if you had a, an effective coach. So that's my long way to get to Daniel Alfredson. He's Alfie is just an Ottawa staple, like a guy who's always been with the franchise. And I grew up a Sens fan and, and Alfie was the guy like he could do no wrong. And, and he was just a guy you, you loved. And it was a, a hard day. I think I heard it was like six, seven years ago or eight years ago that he signed with Detroit just the last week. And, that was uh that was I remember a pretty rough day. You knew he was gonna go, but it's uh hard to lose a guy who had played for your team for you know seventeen eighteen years um but just a guy who did so much for for the community and for the royal hospital that kind of stuff he he was just somebody you could look up to that you knew you know i I was a at one point a fan of Barry Bonds because he was great baseball player and hitting home runs and everything like that. And turns out he's a jerk and, and was taking steroids. So you, like, you never know with athletes, but Alfie was, was a guy that, you know, like at the end of the, his career and even 20 years from now, you know, he's done nothing wrong. Like he's a great guy and great for Ottawa. I know he still lives here. I'm pretty sure. And still involved in the minor hockey community here with his kids. So um, just a great guy to, to look up to and be a role model. So uh, a couple things, uh, just to highlight what you just said, I, I know how you feel. I'm a, I'm a Boston Bruins fan. Um, and I wish Ray, I knew that before the Ray, call. <laughs> Ray Bork, Ray Bork leaves and goes to Colorado and, and wins a cup. Right. And so talk about getting your heart ripped out twice. Right. You know, and um uh, so I, I know how you feel there, but I also know what it means to root for a guy like Ray or, or like uh, like like Daniel, right? It's just such a um uh, a great feeling, right? Even now, just get goosebumps just thinking about it, right? Um, and the other thing that you said is um is how little you touch the puck um during a game, 
and, and that's the same in lacrosse. And so just give me a minute for an analogy, and then I want to I, I just kind of want your opinion on it. Um, club lacrosse is a big thing. When I was growing up, it was camps, it was clinics, it was practice, it was wall ball. So you'd go to a, a camp or a clinic or you'd go to a, a practice and you'd touch the ball 300, 400. Some of the camps, you're touching the ball 5,000, 6,000 times over the week. And club lacrosse has kind of taken over. Um, and and, and I, I bet that's a little bit in hockey as well, uh, maybe not as much. Um, but what is essential, if, if you were to give some advice right now to the coaches that are listening to the podcast – you know, in lacrosse, I tell people you need balls and you need a net. Spend your money on those things and get a lot of them. What should coaches do um, and, and, and have for their hockey players to ensure that their practices aren't just happening, but the kids are getting the, the, the most amount of touches that they possibly can? Well, I think there's a few things like just to touch on, you know, your sport. I don't know much about lacrosse, but I'm, I know there's a huge difference between field lacrosse and box lacrosse that you probably are going to get a lot more touches in box lacrosse because less guys sure. on the field. It's a smaller area and, and that sort of really? stuff. So it's different games. That, so your field lacrosse analogy that you need to touch the ball a lot because you might not really see it at all during the game. Yeah. Um, you know, I think as coaches, one of the big things you can do, like I said this past year, is self-development, getting yourself in a better spot to coach these kids. It's not about all the fancy gear you put on the ice or, you know, that shooter tutor you're hanging up on the net or, or who you even have out at practices. It's, it's about you at the end of the day and how much you plan your practice out and, and really go into your practices with a purpose. You're not just going there to run through a drill just to can't get through those 50 minutes or an hour and a half that you're on the ice. You got to go in there with a purpose and, and, and set goals for yourself going into that practice. What do you actually want to accomplish? Do you want guys to light up the net or do you want, you know, Tim, little Timmy that can't cross over to the left? Do you want him to get better at that by the end of the practice? Like, you know, setting goals for yourself at the start of the practice will just benefit the players at the end of the practice. Um, you know, I think your balls and having a net analogy is perfect. That's all you need. You, you need pucks players have their equipment and you need nets you can do a lot with just throwing your glove on the ice and using that as a pylon or using your coaches as a pylon and getting a big body in front of a a small kid that makes them use their body differently it makes them you know dig around somebody a bit differently so um going into going into practice with a plan and, and goals is huge improving yourself by going to clinics talking to other coaches uh, watching videos, all that kind of stuff, going into to practice with new ideas and is, is going to be huge. And I think the biggest thing for coaches is not getting set in your ways. You look at a lot of the NHL coaches, they are changing constantly. They're changing in season. They're changing out of season. They're all calling each other. They're, you know, talking to each other all the time about different ideas and, I was at a NHL camp this this past January and and got to be around NHL coaches and that was you know as there a week and that was the most I've learned about hockey and at the end of the week I felt overwhelmed with the amount of info I learned from being around guys like that you know not everybody's going to be that lucky but any chance you can get to go to a clinic 
there's going to be OHL guys. There's going to be some NHL guys. You got to learn from those guys. You got to learn from people that have played the game. Um, so, you know, really improving yourself, you can transfer that to to your practices and to your players, and they just benefit tremendously from that. And so, I mean, you're right. A, a lot of guys aren't that lucky to be able to get invited there. But so where else are you shopping for your new ideas? Is there a podcast you're listening to? Or there is there a book you recommend, a good website? Uh, where would you recommend people go? Um, main one I'm kind of listening to right now is uh, Hockey Minds podcast with Ryan Stacey. Um, he just took a video job with uh, Charlottetown Islanders in the queue. So I don't know if he's going to keep around uh, the podcast, but he had a lot of ex-NHL guys he had major junior guys and that's more that's uh hockey specific but um you know another thing I would say is don't just read stuff about the sport you're playing like Darcy you said you were reading a book on Tom Coughlin he was not coaching lacrosse like he was coaching a different sport and it's you learn from those guys um you know a lot of you listen to NFL coaches talk or college football coaches talk they're not always talking to other college football coaches they're talking to to nba guys they're talking to nhl guys and um, you know being a coach is about leadership and and you know building a culture and everything like that and you can coaching is the same in any sport it's just different rules and a, a different puck that you're using you're using a ball or basketball football whatever you want to use um, the principles are still there that you're still there to develop and and get better so i would say if you are going to read a book don't make it hockey specific read something that's different from your sport um you know i could honestly reading the all blacks book the new zealand all blacks um reading that book just blew my mind on how they established culture and kept that going time after time with players going in and out in and out there was always the culture and it was always established. You know, they talked about their top players cleaning up the garbage in the locker room after a practice or a game, uh, you know, learning that kind of stuff. Uh, that's not, again, that's rugby. That's not even hockey. So um, branching out, reading stuff about different sports, different coaches, uh, you know, is a, is a huge thing. Yeah, so I, and I agree. That's one of the reasons why we have, you know, a, a hockey coach on a lacrosse podcast, right? We're trying to do a half and half and half of the lacrosse world, half from outside of it. Um, but for me with lacrosse, the, the, and I, I pull from every sport, but the go-to sport I go to is basketball because there's a lot of similarities in offense and defense and the movement and, and all of that. What is your go-to secondary sport that you're looking to pull from to, uh, to, to use with your hockey teams? Baby, uh, that's a that's a good one. You caught me off guard with that question. Yeah, it wasn't a pre-one. Sorry, just kind of came no, up. No, but yeah. no, that's a good one. Um, geez. You know, I think football is probably a good one just because of, you know, the similarities in kind of the toughness aspect of the sports. Um, you know, there's, there's a grind in football. There's a grind in hockey. Um, and they're both very physical. There's a lot of contact. Um, there's a lot of playing with emotion, um, but there's also there's also strategy to to both games. So, um, you know, I think football would be a big one. Uh, uh, football is big in establishing cultures and and stuff like that, and and that's huge in hockey um, to me at least. That to having the right cultures, because if you, you if you don't have a good culture, 
you lose your team quick and uh doesn't matter if you have a bunch of superstars around you um you know you look at all using our rivals the toronto maple leafs that you know they have all the top guys in the league but they're they don't have a culture there they in my mind they don't they don't have that kind of desire to to win and go for a cup that you look at some of those other teams you look at the islanders how far they made it um they were just grit and, and willingness to compete and and that's just that goes back to their culture um so you know i think that kind of ties into football it, it it's a grind and and uh, you know just establishing the culture and, and good principles and practices there's also a lot of similarities, especially with uh, with UOTO, right, where you guys are mostly playing Friday, Saturday. So you have a whole week to prepare and you're working on you're usually playing the same opponent back to back, I believe. Right. So yeah. it's the same idea with football. Right. How are we going to prepare? How are we going to structure our practice? So it's what are we going to work on what we do? What are we going to work on what they do? Different things like that. So I got to imagine there's a lot there as well. Yeah. Um, you hear a lot of coaches talk about that, NFL coaches, whoever. You know, the NHL is, you know, you're playing on a Monday and you're flying out Tuesday, you're playing again Wednesday. You don't have time to sit and think. And, um, you know, with you, Ottawa, it's about what we do Monday to Friday is what determines what happens on the weekend. It, uh, you know, the practice we put in, the off-ice stuff we do, and and that's huge in football. And I'm not too sure about lacrosse, but I, I'm sure there's similarities at that point, too. Yeah, um, usually. At field at the university level or the NCA level, wherever you're playing, you're playing once a week and, and maybe sometimes once every two weeks, right? So it's uh, a lot of the very much same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about, you know, I'm huge into, and I didn't know this when I started coaching. I was, I thought I was the coach. I thought I was there to, you know, yell and scream and, and push the players and, and go out and do drills. I didn't realize that there's a lot more that goes into it and and how valuable practices actually are. It's not about the game. Um, You can kind of prepare as a coach for the game as much as you want. Um, But if you have horrible practices the whole week, you're going to have a horrible game coming up. So it it took a lot to learn that and a lot of, a lot of failures and rough seasons, but um, you know, it's, it, something i can't emphasize enough it's about what you do before the games so listening to you speak on another podcast the hockey minds podcast you referenced uh, some of the other coaches you've worked with and the experiences you had and and um i know you got you know kind of bit by the coaching bug uh, coaching house league in the west end um and anyone who's, who's coached becomes a bit of a passion right so um you know what keeps you coming back to coaching and to hockey I, man, I don't know. I don't know if it's the kind of competitiveness of it or just the, you know, when I was coaching younger kids, it was seeing that development throughout the year and seeing the improvement and and seeing the kids enjoy being at the rink and enjoy playing a sport, being around the team. And, um, you know, it was just a fun, fun atmosphere. I've been lucky that I've had, you know, I've been on losing teams and, uh, you know, I think I've only had one bad season where I where I didn't want to coach, and I kind of questioned continuing coaching. Um, that was very early on, and I haven't had one since. And um, you know, I think it's there's something about just being around the rink and and being around those the players and the coaches you you work with that 
they're your second family. It's like that in every sport that those guys, just like your work colleagues, are are your second family. So, um, you know, if you have a good group like that, it just brings you back over and over again. And and again, I I love winning, and uh, that that's something you just keep chasing and chasing and chasing. So, uh, you know, with you Ottawa getting so close to play, you know, we were the night before we were supposed to play. We found out that that they were done the national championships and we weren't going to get to play. So it was, you know, less than 24 hours. We find out we were about to play in front of probably 11,000 people in, in Halifax. So that, that left a sour taste in my mouth and, and it's been sitting there for, for a year and a half. So I'm ready to get, get back at it. And uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, I just love doing it. I, I couldn't imagine not doing it at this point. Yeah, for sure. I um, seem to keep on taking more and more coaching jobs and uh, hard to say no. <laughs> um, who have been some of your mentors or people that you've, you know, gone to for advice um, along your journey? And, and I know it's just beginning in some ways, but you've had lots of great experiences. So who are some of the people that you've, you know, kind of tapped on to be mentors in some way? Um, I'll say he's my boss right now, Sully, um, with Carlton Place. I've only known him... I'd known him a, a bit before U Ottawa, um, but then when we when I got to U Ottawa and he's a very social guy and talk a lot and I was pretty shy not knowing everybody at the start and he really kind of brought me in and got me involved in conversations and everything like that and uh, you know he played a, a big part in kind of the joy I had being with U Ottawa. Um, he was somebody we talked talked a lot and we were both we're both the same age and he. He wants to go far in hockey and go to the NHL, and and I'm the same way that uh, we both kind of were driven and and have a passion for for this, and we're willing to to kind of make sacrifices to chase chase a dream. Um, so we really saw eye to eye on that, and he really, you know, has helped me out with establishing contacts. He's the one that got me in with the, an NHL team at the camp this year um, because of him and his contacts and. He's been huge. Darcy Finley, when I was in the PN in the CCHL, he was he was huge. I mentioned him on the Hockey Minds podcast. He uh, he was coaching there for three years, and uh, he was the coach when I took over as a video coach. And he knew I wanted to go somewhere with it and wanted to learn. And he saw that, and and he'd come to the rink two three hours before a game, and he'd watch video with me, and we'd talk about what he sees and how he's breaking down the game and. And that was huge, I think, for my development. He played D1 hockey down in the States, and um, he was a pretty good player then, and he's a really good coach. And um, so it was – I played house league. I have no idea what it's like playing at a high level. And and hearing those perspectives from him and from Sully uh, were just huge uh, in my development. Yeah, anyway, some of the guys who – and play the levels are, are willing to work so hard you know as coaches to develop themselves right and, and i think that listening to you speak in, in other ways and, and, and talking with you here i can hear that in your in your voice right and um for us here our our goal with the podcast is um inspiring other coaches to be continuous learners and to never you know be happy where they're at um and so we always ask a final question to wrap um in our pursuit to become better coaches uh who should we interview next 
I'd, I'd say Sully is a good guy to, to go after. And uh, that's a bit biased, but, uh, you know, he's somebody that's chasing the dream. Um, and, you know, I, I know we talked about Isaiah a bit before. He's somebody that's also chasing a bit of a dream, having his own business and, and being a kind of a speed running coach, strength coach, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I mean, he's good. Uh, oh, boy. I think there's a lot of that that caught me off guard. I uh, yeah, I'd have to think about that one. But but I think those guys are good ones to start with, and and I think Sully especially taking over a, a new program and uh, and being a part of U Ottawa. They he took that over with with Patty Gromet, um after it got rebuilt after you know whatever happened uh, a few years before that. So. They literally built a, a program from scratch, uh, bringing in new guys and having to recruit players and and changing completely changing the perspective perspective of, of that hockey program uh, or perception. Sorry, and uh, so him, Pat uh, with the GGs, uh, he was huge. When I talk about culture, um, you know, you want to learn about culture. He's the guy. He's the guy to talk to. Um, he he turned that program around him sully and the other coaches that were there um, played a huge part of that and they they stayed consistent to to their kind of goals and their their end game and um, and their values they wanted you know they wanted good hockey players but you look at a lot of our recruits the last couple years especially they're all coming from teams and they were all captains or assistant captains so we weren't taking necessarily those top scoring guys or, you know, huge name name guys. We were getting guys that were were character guys. So they uh, they really wanted to keep that culture and and you know really look at it long term rather than just trying to get back to winning. It was uh, those are a few guys that would be huge to talk to. Yeah, super impressive to take the program or to try and rebuild the program to where it's gone, you know, in, in a short period of time. It's very impressive. So uh, we don't take too much more of your time. Uh, thank you so much, Alex, for joining us. I uh, really appreciate the conversation and um, look forward to uh, future conversations on the road. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hey, Darsh. So, um, you know, really excited to be here. This is the first time, uh, well, the wrap that we just did, but the, the first time that we've uh, been doing this together in person. And um, it was nice to go back and listen to Alex's episode. We recorded that uh, over three months ago. And um, and going back and, and, and listening to the things that he talked about um, and how relevant they still are today. And, and some of those things that we, you know, we, with the video and things like that, that I tried to incorporate when I was doing video with our guys at Carleton this year uh, were definitely super beneficial. So I hope everyone out there enjoyed the episode. And, um, and yeah, I think, uh, I think it's a good one to kick off season two with. Yeah, sometimes you have an episode and you record it and then, you know, I guess you go to sleep and you think a little bit about it. And this one was a while ago, so it kind of left my mind a little bit. But then listening to it again, I was like, wow, that was a really good conversation. And uh, Alex had so many good tidbits. Um, and he talked about the video with Carlton. And then just the one thing he mentioned was, you know, his favorite athlete was Daniel Alfredson. And then um, we talked about, you know, the time to, to improve in, in the season in, in the NHL. And this time period we had just had, you know, being locked down so many times in Canada and Ontario here was 
a great period for self-development and, and self-improvement and um, in all its various roles. Um, but one of them with the you know, Hockey Canada, he made a thematic map of where Hockey Canada, or I can't remember which, which age division he has, but you know where they shoot on the ice. And then that yeah. was, um, he brought that forward as a, you know, trying to le- learn the style of play of the team, right? And so they're looking for opportunities in this part of the ice um, off of this kind of play or that whatever it was, right? And so I thought that was an interesting um, self-improvement uh, task that he took on himself uh, at the beginning when he really didn't have any concrete work to do, but always knowing there was something he could get better at. Yeah, and I mean, I think I, I did take uh, from that um, when I was watching the Junior A Series here in Ontario, and I spent some time watching some of those games live, like he said he did with NHL games, trying to just, you know, track where shots are coming from or track, you know, just different things in every game, track each zone entry, and if I thought it was a plus or a minus, just different things that would keep me engaged in watching the game, but are things that, you know, um, I can use as a, as a minor coach as I grow in, in that sport as well. Um, I think, too, the other thing that he talked about was the multi-sport thing. And obviously he's not a lacrosse coach. He's a hockey guy. Um, and, and we learned a lot from him as a hockey coach. But listen to him talk about how football was the biggest comparison to him because of the contact. And I, I've never heard anyone say, I played hockey my whole life. I played football my whole life. You know, I think everyone who says, uh, you know, um, that they're learning from different sports, I've never heard anyone say, yeah, the main sport I take away from when I'm coaching hockey is is football. So I thought that was an interesting take. And, and then we talked a little bit about how, you know, their seasons at U Ottawa are weekend games only, and it's the same in the NCAA. You play very, very little uh, games during the week, and it's the same with us in Kufla, right? We play one game a week, and so the structure of how you plan and how you prepare is very similar to football as well. So I think that's something to to take away, and, and to take away for that episode is how they prepare during the week and and um, and how they're ready to play uh, against a new opponent each week. Yeah, the uh, that part where he talks about you know different uh, listen different coaches right, and he talks about how um, you know coaching as being a leader, and that's transferable to anything. Now I'm kind of blanking on the exact quote he has, but it was really really good. You know, we just talked about um, how important it is to seek ideas from elsewhere, uh, and to to bring those into your own sport, and not necessarily because there could be a transference for style of play. But, you know, when you're coaching people, you're coaching people, and coaching people is the same thing in whatever sport or, or environment you're in, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, the, the other things that, that he talked about, he talked about GameStrat. And GameStrat is something that I've used, uh, you know, when I was working with the Ottawa Nemesis and we went down to Virginia Beach a couple of years ago. And that video tool um, was phenomenal. And and listen to somebody who used it and, and used it on the bench and, and how, you know, it was a little easier for him because some of the OHL guys were already using it, right? But they were, um, you know, they were able to to adapt to it and to pick it up. And, and, and I saw this in lacrosse. In the beginning, it was kind of weird. And then by the end of the tournament, guys were coming over wanting to see their video and wanting to see what was going on and, and kind of get that piece with it too. So I thought that was interesting to uh, just hear. And obviously, GameStrat's a, a local company here in Ottawa. It's based out of U Ottawa, I believe. Um, so it was, it was interesting to see a, a local program having success with a local product. And anyone that's out there looking for a good video product, you know, I'd recommend looking into GameStrat if it's something you know, more for a higher level you know, Junior B, Junior A, or or, or, or Kufla and, and things like that. It's it's definitely a great product that you should look into. Yeah, speaking of local product and success, the Cawthon Place Canadians. <laughs> um, and he was moving into a role there as the assistant GM and obviously going to do some video work as well. But um, 
we asked him, what kind of things are you going to do in the community? Um, and he talked about how important that program is to the community of Carlton Place. And, um, you know, some of the ideas, they weren't necessarily um, you know, crazily uh, in any way out of the box, but, you know, bagging people's groceries or being at a car dealership and um, providing value to sponsors, but also making sure you're a presence in the community, right? And, yeah. and I think um, that from day one, they talked about uh, what their strategies are going to be coming in was a build, about building, um, you know, presence in the community, about, um, you know, long-term development of the athletes that have in their program, and um, how to make sure that uh, each guy is getting better throughout the course of a season. Um, and, uh, you know, I just think that was just the process they have going into a new season is super important and into a new club, right? And uh, developing their plans. You know, I think this had, you know, coming in the beginning, you wanted to look at film from all the guys and, and develop where they're going to go, but also looking a year or two down the road in terms of what the club should look like and are they going to be pushing for championships or are they going to be developmental years, right? Yeah, and I think it's uh, it's interesting too, like, and I won't go down the rabbit hole that you just did because it was a lot of great uh, feedback that you just gave there, but... It's all about building relationships, whether it's in the community or they specifically talk about when, when they took over the program, the first thing they did was get on the phone and, and open that lines of communication with all their players. So A, they wouldn't leave and go somewhere else, but B, they could start to build that relationship, especially in a, in a COVID year where that face-to-face interaction was, was harder to come by. And I think that's um, something I've learned uh, and, and, and learned for many, many years, but is reinforced every year, especially this year, is is it all comes down to relationships. And having a relationship with your players, whether they're minor players or university players or even pro athletes, is, is the most important thing. And that's when they're going to trust you, and that's when they trust you is when you're going to get the most out of them. Yeah, I remember uh, I was reading our um, season survey, and all the guys talked about how important that was and how much they loved being in the groups they were in, and, and they wish they had more of that. And so... Um, you know, relationships is everything and everything, anything you do, right? Uh, I guess the last thing I want to end on, I could hear the passion in Alex's voice, you know, when we're talking about his various roles and experiences. And um, I think that's maybe something that we should have talked about a little bit in our one, season one reflection. But everyone is just so passionate about, about uh, coaching, about athletics, and about helping people get better. And, and I really hear that in Alex's voice, too. And, and um I don't know Alex super well, um, you know, but I feel like he's he has an opportunity for himself to to really go places in the game, and as long and, you know, keeps his drive up. Um, no reason why he won't get to be where he wants to be. Yeah, I'll be excited to follow his career and uh, and the career of everybody that we've interviewed, whether they're well established or just beginning. And um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been great, and uh, and I look forward to uh, to, to episode two coming out um, next week.